You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. Starring Pete Ruggieri, Larry Maris, and Jason Lewis. This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. So sit back and enjoy some Masonic conversation without pretension. And now, here's your hosts, Pete, Larry, and Jason. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to episode number 16. 16. For the Masonic Light Podcast. Um, we have a full house here today. Um, I'm Pete. I'm here with uh, Larry, Jack, and Jason. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hello there. So we've had a, a, I guess, a busy couple weeks since we've uh, seen you last or heard you last. Yeah, it's been it's been crazy. So uh, what we'll do, um, we actually have a sponsor for this episode. What? Our first paid sponsor. It's Pure Water Technologies. Are you sure? Not really, but I'm looking that up as we speak. I mean, he's gonna the best uh, advertising that five dollars will get him is gonna. <laughs> is gonna um, but here we're gonna start off with whatever we've done masonically. Um, in the past two weeks. So, Jason, why don't you go ahead? What have you done Masonically in the past couple weeks? Oh, man. Past two weeks, we had our stated meeting at my lodge, lodge number 43. And Jack, who's here to my left, he was our special speaker uh, trying to do some last-minute recruiting at... Uh, Larry, are you okay? And uh, he spoke about Ubar and Grotto, and we called off from labor so we could wear our fezes, and we threw things and yelled at Jack when the district deputy... Grandmaster happened to make a surprise visit. It was very unruly. But we made it through. Uh, what else has happened? I missed council, chapter, all that fun stuff. Uh, I was on my way to the Lodge Perfection meeting and got pulled away to the emergency room. My daughter smacked her head off of the sidewalk, and the sidewalk won. So uh, she's good now, but I, I missed that meeting as well. So And then Grotto last night. That's all I got. Who's next? Jack? Jack, go ahead. So uh, I had an interesting uh, trip um, on Saturday with uh, Chris Gibson and uh, David Newell and uh, Hiram, uh, the the other traveling mason from everywhere. Uh, we went down to Street, Maryland, to a raising in the barn. And uh, there were three Maryland masons received their third degree. And it was uh, it was very interesting. We were very, very um, politely received. Um, they showed us how it's supposed to be done, um, cause everybody else has it the way they have it and we have it, what we got. But, um, it was, uh, it was really interesting. Uh, if not for a cold breeze that was blowing through this for real barn, uh, it, it would have been, um, perfect, but it was, uh, it was really neat and, uh, cool to see these guys. Uh, I raised. did notice, I saw a picture with, um, a bathtub with, uh, adult beverages in it. Yes, they were, uh, they were adulting after the meeting because they could, and they do. That's so nice that Maryland lets you adult. Yes. Yeah, I, cool. I also noticed that there was daylight between the slots in the barn. Yeah, that, I mean, that, it was, yeah. uh, yeah, it was, it was a daylight lodge. Absolutely it was. They call it a low veil. Um, anything that meets outside of your regular lodge, um, outside of a proper Masonic building, they call a low veil. Low veil. Wow. Veil of the vole. What? On so, the down low. That's not even appropriate, Larry. <laughs> it's not even relevant. So, Larry, what have you done the past couple of weeks? Um, Besides get injured a couple of times. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, basically, the biggest event that 
Well, we had two great events. Uh, last night at Grotto, which was huge, big. Huge. 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 And uh, the week before that, on Saturday, we were at the Pennsylvania Academy of Masonic Knowledge, which was phenomenal, fantastic, well attended. Great speakers uh, came in from pretty much all over the place, all over the country. And uh, we did some interviews, which we'll be going over here during the program. So it was a busy, busy. Yeah, that was a, uh, a neat event. I really enjoyed the speakers. Yeah, definitely. Uh, trying to think what else I had going on. We actually had a uh, a practice for council. It was the first time I think Lancaster uh, Goodwin Council Number Nineteen's had a practice in so many years. Um, so yeah, I, I I nailed my part with my cheat sheet written on my hand. Um, let's see what else we've done. You've uh, you've also done something that someone hasn't done in about twenty years either, and that's a Tall Cedars play. Well, I haven't done it yet. It's uh, but but yeah, we're having another practice tomorrow night um yeah so and how long has it been since they actually did a live play 20 years yeah so yeah i've got my somewhere right here on the table i've got my uh script that i'm learning and what really makes it bad is some of those same guys that did it 20 years ago are still around <laughs> well i'm i guess they're happy for their longevity yeah what's that supposed to mean <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> of course they're happy so we did have uh grotto last night which is uh um, uh, Jack is making a grumpy voice because of a text he just got or something. <laughs> well, I was invited to attend a, a Kite and Key Lodge, uh, which is a, a traditional observance lodge in Allentown. Um, and I was told when I was invited that it was next Wednesday, the second, which is woohoo, I can make that. But I just got the uh, summons and it is for this Wednesday which is our annual banquet at Ephrata Lodge, which I am actually the pseudo-host. So I'm going to miss the traditional observance lodge yet again. I think this is the third one that I've had to miss. So for our listeners... And, what, and for your host, what is a traditional observance lodge? Thanks, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, there, there, there was a couple of years ago more of a push for this than there is now, um, it is a, uh, it's a Masonic body that uh, I think there's only, what, six of them in Pennsylvania, uh, mm. T.O. Lodges. Um, there are some around the country, but um, it's, it's decidedly more formal than a stated meeting. The membership is restricted to, I think, 50 or 60 members. Um, if you miss more than three meetings in a year, they find someone who would rather be there more than you. Um, dues are a couple of hundred bucks. Um, dinner is usually 60 plus. Um, it's, it's a black tie and tails event. Um, so it's a very formal, um, when someone is, is, uh, is brought into a TO lodge, there's a whole rigmarole that, uh, we don't do. Um, some of you who are in commandery might be familiar with the small room that happens there. Um, but, uh, the bathroom. Yes. Yeah. The porcelain room. Yes. Uh, but, um, I've been, I've been trying to get to a TO lodge forever and I, and I thought, man, I, Brian Hill invited me and, uh, I am going to have to stiff him again. Oh, well. Now I understand also, I mean, in, in other countries, their blue lodges also do have that room of reflection. Right. Right. So just, I mean, do a, I just know Pennsylvania doesn't. Pennsylvania doesn't. No. Well, you go to Maryland lodges. Do Maryland have that? They do not. On? Okay. 
All right. So, I mean, that's a little bit of what we did. We're going to come back. We're going to have a little bit of a discussion. Um, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys in about uh, two minutes. Hey, Pete. Hey, Jason. Do you know what I could really go for? Um, some beef jerky? Some coffee. I love some coffee. And luckily, when I'm in the office, there's a coffee machine provided by Pure Water Technologies. But you work from home, so this is not really working. <laughs> they also provide water. Oh, you have water. Okay, at I've my seen home water. office, yeah. They can be reached at 888-581-PURE. That's one 581 581 Pure. Pure. And if you mention the uh, Masonic Lake podcast when you give them a call, uh, I think it's like a free month or a free sample. They give you a sip of free water. They give you something. Use coupon code LIGHT, L-I-T-E. <laughs> I don't know if they have a coupon code. Yeah, but we thank our sponsor. And uh, please don't cut us off. things we want to try to talk about is uh, we're going to do this. And again, I apologize. I think I mentioned the last show or the show before that, that we were going to have a special guest this week. Uh, and actually, he was uh, uh, planned on being a grotto and we were going to do a full-fledged uh, interview with him there. However, uh, some family matters dictated that he had to return to Scotland for two weeks. His uh, family farm in Scotland was sold. And he had to go there and get a lot of mementos and things that were near and dear to him and ship them back to the United States. At the moment he he the just got in. For the trio, la faveur. And it's possibly... Well, that wasn't really Barry, but that was part of his, <laughs> his most recent... He's a world-renowned tenor. So <laughs> yes, just... he, yes, he is. And we were going to have him on the show, and he's a fantastic individual. And actually, he's been to the Hootenanny before, and uh, he, he's quite a guy, and he is a phenomenal, phenomenal opera star. Uh, we will have him on. Uh, I'm hoping that we can get him on for one of the first shows in December. So I'll coordinate that with him. Like I said, he just got back in from Scotland last night while we were at Ubar, so there's no way he could have made it. Here's, here's a little teaser from the Internet. And if you don't speak uh, Italian, he's talking about Grotto. So there you go. I could do that. Yep. He uh, made a motion to impeach the monarch. A yes. couple, couple years ago, he was nominated for a, uh, uh, what do they call it's it? called a Grammy. Grammy, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. what you called your grandmother. Yeah, exactly. So he's, he's been fantastic. So he's not on the show. He will be. I've been in touch with him. And again, we know him because he does venture down here to... Uh, to the people down in the central Pennsylvania area. The commoners. Right. So, okay. So what we're going to do instead, we're going to talk about some of the things that we've done over the past two weeks. So we went to the, Larry and I went to the Academy of Masonic Knowledge. Uh, Larry, who were, do you ever, who were our speakers at the Academy of Masonic the, Knowledge? The uh, speakers at the Academy, we had three great speakers, actually. Uh, we had a gal. Uh, her name was Heather. What year is this, Larry, that we had a gal? I'm sorry. We had a lady. Okay. A very educated lady, a PhD. Oh, I, think she, I think she has a doctorate degree. Let's yeah, just call her a doc, doctor. Yes. Heather Heather Calloway actually, and she's the archivist and special <laughs> collection person, uh, an assistant professor at, at Washington College, wherever the hell that is. Oh, Maryland. Okay. Yeah, and uh, she's uh, she's worked for the Southern Jurisdiction. <laughs> 
Nice gal. Actually, she was really good. She's very good. A nice gal. Yes. Oh, the, by the way, thank God we have an all ma- mostly male audience because <laughs> our hate mail would be a little lower from. Uh... I will tell you, you know, we all think we collect pins, we collect medals, we collect memorabilia that we all think in our mind is valuable. And then when we die, our families donate them to like uh, the, the museum in Washington or to uh, Southern Jurisdiction or Northern, you know, for their big museum. And we come to find out that the stuff that we value is really not valued. Right. I think the, the big thing that um, she pointed out was there's really Pennsylvania is maybe the best at it. The Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania, as far as uh, libraries go and how things are cataloged regalia all kinds of just stuff is is cataloged and even accessible on the internet uh for the most part but there's you know these other smaller grand lodges that you know they they the hell are you doing (laughs) these 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 other small grand lodges that (laughs) um yeah they have no idea they have like they're they have maybe a volunteer for like four hours a month and they have a couple of rooms full of moldy stuff. And I think she said like the Grand Lodge of Louisiana at one point for space requirements, they moved a bunch of stuff to the pool, to an empty pool they had in the basement of the building. So if you know anything about geography, um, Louisiana is kind of a wet place. And Washington is near Maryland. Yes. So... <laughs> Yeah, so uh, you know, they a lot of their stuff got ruined, but um, she gave a really nice presentation. So, Larry, who else took? He gave a talk. Uh, we had uh, brother John Hairston, who uh, came in, and actually he did a great. Uh, well, let me tell you a little bit about John. He is a uh, damn. I don't have my glasses. He's a member of Harmony Lodge Number no. Two, uh, under the uh, Prince Hall jurisdiction in Washington D.C. And he wrote a phenomenal book, which actually I bought, by the way. Did you read it? Uh, no. I How do you know it it's phenomenal if you I haven't read it? No, it's good. Because we listen to the guy. This guy's awesome. Uh, the, the Landmarks of Our Fathers. And actually, he did a really extensive year, multi-year survey of how Prince Hall actually began. And there were a lot of problems that they ran into because some people said it started in such and such a date. Other people said it was another date, and it was a real conflict. Well, I mean, basically the point is, like, most most people in Prince Hall have this date in mind that they call, I believe, Founder's Day, right? Or is right. that And right. that this is the established day that all this started and, and that the Prince Hall Lodge uh, or Africa Lodge was formed by men that got raised by this Irish military lodge. Um, but you know, these stories have just been told and told and told. Well, I think, um, brother John may be the first person to actually try to dig back through, you know, like books, uh, and, and, um, you know, the, the records of the different lodges and he can prove that like this Irish military lodge was not in that part of the country at that part of the time. And that the, um, you know, the guy, the, his belief that is the, per, the people that made, Prince Hall and these other gentlemen, Freemasons, was actually working without a warrant, and he was... So they all kind of became clandestine Masons. However, when they later got their warrant, they were healed, as they say, and they are all legit Masons now. So his story was up until they got their own charter from Grand Lodge. 
Yeah. So, but it was a, it's a really f- a fascinating story. It was fascinating, and he his research was just phenomenal. I mean, very well organized, very well written. I mean, the guy was really good. But what really attracted me to the guy, uh, maybe I shouldn't say it that way. He, well, he was phenomenal. He was, he was a phenomenal speaker. In all the years I've been going to the academy, he's probably one of the very best. I'd rate him in the top two of people who made presentations to the academy. He was exciting. He was great to listen to. You listened to every word. That's how good he was. Yeah, I thought he was a really good speaker. And uh, our last speaker had a... um he had a kind of interesting topic. He was talking about was that Christopher was his name? Christopher Murphy. Yeah, and his um his, his he wanted to debunk the myth that the uh, Freemasonry was, you know, while it was formed, while we met in a lot of taverns, that he wanted to make sure everybody knew that like it wasn't just a bunch of drunken guys carrying on. Oh, not what? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's us now. <laughs> But but Aww. yeah so yeah I mean he's basically saying it's you stone know, him yeah so if they met in a barn it didn't mean they were farmers all right so uh, we had the economy of, academy of masonic knowledge that we talked about right and um, what else do we had going on Larry well I interviewed three people there uh, three what I feel are hmm I don't want to call them movers and shakers because that entails or makes them feel like they're they're really, really active. Some of these fellows that we interviewed are, well, I'm not going to say anymore. Anyway, we interviewed three great people in the craft throughout various appendant lodges and who have done so much for our craft in Pennsylvania. Uh, the first one I think I talked to was Brother Tom Jackson, who is a prolific author, wrote one book, by the way. I thought he wrote more than that, but he wrote at least 140 speeches. Are they phenomenal? Yeah, they're phenomenal. Which he, which he has given all over the world. I mean, this guy has traveled everywhere. And Tom in stature, is a, he's not a tall man. He's a little guy. And whenever he comes into some of the meetings I've been to, he wears the jewels and aprons of other countries where he's been to. And if you've ever seen some of these things, these damn things weigh 25 pounds. So here's Tom walking in, being pulled over with all this heavy jewelry and these heavy aprons. And they're beautiful. They really are. So he's spoken all over the world. The guy is... So is this the guy that, um, when you were, it was your turn to interview him, that uh, you just kept talking and wouldn't let him speak? Oh, you're, I don't, you're, I don't, your idol? I, I don't remember. He I is think my that's idol. everybody he interviewed. He, huh? Yeah, he, he, he definitely <laughs> is my idol. He is past grand... Uh, yeah, what the hell do they call that? Commander. No, uh, Secretary. Grand Secretary of the Grand Lodge. What do they call it? Past? Secretary. Right worshipful past. <laughs> right worshipful past Grand Secretary. Secretary I'll get it out. I'll get it out. So the guy's been around quite a while. He's a phenomenal writer working on his second book, which he informed me at the end of We talked to him. Also talked to a fellow by the name of Bill Renniger. So I was interviewing both of those gentlemen at the same time. Bill has been very instrumental in the uh, the Academy, the uh, Pennsylvania Academy of Masonic Knowledge. Both Tom and Bill. Tom particularly was the one who started it. And Bill followed through and has been with him ever since. And uh, these are two unbelievably great gentlemen. Phenomenal. Uh, the, yeah, phenomenal. The last, uh, last one we talked to was Brother Jerry Hamilton, past Grand Commander of the Commandery of uh, Knights Templar, um, now the head guy of High 12... Uh, he was, uh, his credentials go on and on and on. We can almost say he's PE, passed everything. So those are the three interviews we conducted. 
phenomenal. They were phenomenal. They were phenomenal. phenomenal. All right. At this point, we're going to splice some interviews into this mess, and um, and we'll be back. Pure Water Technologies provides state-of-the-art drinking water systems and coffee systems for businesses in central Pennsylvania, northern Maryland, and northern Delaware. They eliminate the hassles and liability of bottled water systems for businesses of all sizes and shapes and pride themselves on being a simple, better experience for their customers. They are known for prompt service, great-tasting water and coffee, and their friendly staff. For qualified businesses, they're willing to offer a free trial so that people can taste the difference for themselves. For more information, please call 888-581-7873-PURE or visit www.purewaterpa.com and mention that you heard this ad for your free trial. I just ask some questions and I think we're, yeah, we're live. I'm with Brother Thomas Jackson today here at the Pennsylvania Academy of Knowledge. Brother Tom is my hero. He has been, how should I say, someone that I have long admired because of his quest for Masonic knowledge. He's been around the world, numerous speaking engagements all over Europe, South America, the United States. He's written many books, and as I said, he's one of my grand heroes. Tom, we're here today at the Pennsylvania Academy of Knowledge. And I also will say that you are Right Worshipful Past Grand Secretary for the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania. And I say welcome. And how do you feel about the uh, Academy of Masonic Knowledge? Because you were one of the proponents that helped establish this. Tell me how good you think we're doing. Yes, I uh, was responsible for creating the Academy of Masonic Knowledge back in the year 2000. And, and I'm very satisfied, very happy with what we've accomplished. We've had five of the members of the Academy now publish books since the Academy was created. We have discovered some good thinking men in Pennsylvania that we did not know were here because they never had the opportunity <laughs> They're not in this room. to reveal themselves. <laughs> the purpose of the Academy, of course, is to stimulate men to want to acquire knowledge. And, and I think uh, from the reports that you get of the number of books that have been reviewed, uh, speaking engagements, uh, 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 publishing uh, or published papers, uh, has indicated that the Academy has been a success. And I'm, I'm extremely pleased with that. That is awesome. You've done a phenomenal job. As uh, Bill Renninger is standing here aside of me as well, who basically, I know Bill because I've submitted my my paperwork on the my first level Masonic scholar and we've communicated and you have been a proponent and long standing here at the Masonic Masonic Academy of Knowledge as well. Yes. So how do you how do you feel we're doing? Well, I think we're achieving the purpose that Tom stated. We're doing uh, what we're supposed to be doing. We have uh, read and evaluated no less than uh, 1450 books in our academy. Over 200 presentations have been given and awards have been given. Uh, we have uh, over 800 affiliates 
and we have had probably 160 scholars. 47 have actually achieved the Master Scholar uh, Award. Uh, and uh, I think uh, the comment that I get back when a person has completed the program or even during the program, uh, they say this is the greatest thing that they've done as far as their Masonic uh, life is concerned because it gives them incentive to get into uh, reading more and understanding more. And once they open the door, uh, they just find themselves very comfortable evaluating books and reading books and understanding more about our fraternity. That's fantastic. Uh, also, Tom, you've written a lot of books. Now, let me correct that. I've only have one book published. I've written a lot of papers. You've written a lot of papers, yes. And if you accumulated all the papers you've written, it would be at least two or three books. Well, I have an accumulation of my papers that is going to be published sometime in the not-too-distant future. Right now, the manuscripts are in the hands of Brent Morris and Arturo de Hoyas, who's going to review it before I publish. It'll be a, a compilation of uh, probably... 75% of the papers that are written over the last 40 years. Um, when it's finished, I think I'm finished writing books. <laughs> you've done a great job, and as I said, and I'll say it again for the third time, you've been my hero, and I've looked at all of your speeches. Uh, I mean, it's, it's fantastic that you have taken the time to sit with us today and say a few words. I really do appreciate that, Tom. Bill, do you have anything to add? Uh, no. I, I'm, it, it's a pleasure to have done this with Tom. Uh, the, the research papers that are done as part of our certification program often are sent to the Pennsylvania Lodge of Research and are considered for presentation as part of that program. So it's sort of one, one organization feeds another organization and everybody seems to like it. As you can see by our logo, this is the Masonic Light L-I-T-E podcast. That's being actually when we're all, when we when we uh, podcast and transmit it, we're over uh, around the world. Have a big, vast listening audience in Australia. We got them in England. Uh, we got them in Charlotte. We got them in Hollywood, California. We have a nice audience. It's growing, and we're a young podcast. But it's amazing what's happening with us, and I appreciate very much. I'll send you follow-up. Listen to us. We're great. Thank you so much, both of you, for you. giving me time to talk to you. Thank you. We're phenomenal. Larry. <laughs> so, Larry, how, how much apron sniffing did you do there? Hang on. Wait, 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 wait. I would just like to say that those were, oh, that's still playing, that those interviews were both phenomenal and fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I thought they were good, too. Wow, like Larry, you were so excited. You were so, it was like uh, you got to see George Clooney or something. Damn, we did good. That we're wasn't great. so bad. Now, the next interview we're going to do, we're going to, um, you're going to hear Larry uh, talk for maybe longer than the guests. So, oh, geez. I, uh, well, we can edit that, really. And that's Jerry Hamilton, by the way, who is another one of my heroes. Jerry's probably, out of every lodge and every uh, Masonic function I've been to, probably one of the greatest speakers I've ever heard. He is phenomenal. I'm here today with uh, past Grand Commander of the Knights Templar, Jerry J. Hamilton. 
who I've known for a number of years, actually, uh, first got to meet Jerry uh, in the Pennsylvania Lodge of Research. Uh, and uh, let me tell you, this guy is an orator first class. And uh, we have a lot of common things that we share, particularly when it comes to Knights Templar and certain beliefs that we have. Uh, people kid me about my beliefs because I'm one of those that kind of believe that everything that we are today stem from being a Templar. So, and there are a few of us, right, Pete? Anyway, Jerry, it's good to have you. Uh, you're here today at the Academy of uh, Knowledge, and you're, you're, you are also wearing around your, your neck a collar with a beautiful uh, jewel attached, which means that you are a Masonic scholar. You're, uh, you're level three, you've gone through the whole things, a lot of studying, a lot of work to get to that level. Uh, tell me how you're feeling about being here today, and tell me about any of your travels in Freemasonry. I don't mind sharing with you, but I'll keep my wallet in my pocket, if that's all right with you. And we'll just uh, share certain ideas about Freemasonry. The uh, Master Masonic Scholar Jewel that I wear was given to me by Grandmaster uh, Ron Unkst a number of years ago. I was one of the first uh, 12 uh, Master Masonic Scholars in Pennsylvania. The program began, was announced by our friend Tom Jackson that there would be this certification program and that there would be something called Masonic Education Units, MEUs they called them. And in order to earn an MEU, you wrote a paper or you spoke at a lodge or you came to an academy meeting and if you earned 21 MEUs, you might become a Masonic, Master Masonic Scholar. So I contacted Tom Jackson, I said, Tom, do you want me to read all those books that I've read all my life? Do you want me to reread them and send you a book report on them? Do you, do you want me to tell you about the lodges where I've been a speaker over the years? And he said, no, Jerry, why would you do that? To hang a certificate on your wall? I mean, don't you have enough certificates on your wall already? And I agreed that I had plenty of certificates. And so, and then shortly thereafter, they came out with this beautiful uh, neck jewel. And I was contacted by Bill Renninger, who was heading up the program. And he said, Jerry, please do the program a favor and sign up for this and earn these MEUs and become a Master Masonic Scholar. And then other people might go along with the program because you'll, uh, you, you're a speaker at a lot of lodges. You're very active in the fraternity. And people will uh, perhaps uh, sign up for our program and, and become Masonic Scholars. Well, wasn't I thrilled today when they announced their their 43 now in the state of Pennsylvania, so the, the program's working. And um, I'm very pleased with the growth of our Academy of Masonic Knowledge, and I'm very pleased to be here today. I had to get up early to get here, and I'm uh, an hour and 45 minutes away in uh, Fort Washington, Pennsylvania, but uh, it's well worth the trip. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, glad to be with you, too. It's good to have you with us, and like I said, I promise I wouldn't take up too much of your time. One of the things I do want to mention, though, since we can get in contact with you, I'd like you to come on our show. Uh, we'll give you lots of advance notice, and generally, uh, we can do it through Skype. You don't have to come to the studio. I could come to Lancaster, but not if I have to leave home at 7.30. No, no, no. Before my getting up time. I'm retired. We do, I don't get up at that hour. We do our broadcast recording on Monday nights at 7 o'clock, so no, you wouldn't need to do that. I don't, I don't speak very well in the morning either. I slur my words. You don't want to talk to me anymore. <laughs> well, it's unlike some of us that slur our words in the evening. <laughs> not slurring. It's verbal cursing. Is that what that is? Yes. 
Thank you so much, Jerry, for giving nice us time. Nice being your company. And I, uh, I hope to have you on our program later on. You're always on my list to, to invite on the program, so we you're, look forward to it. You're on my list, too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're, you're number one in my book. Okay. I have a very short book. Okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jerry Hamilton, former commander and former big boss of the Knights Templar of uh, Pennsylvania. Thank you, buddy. Hi, I'm Jeff Moyer, past master from Lodge 43 in Lancaster. I love to listen to Masonic Light podcast when Larry Maris is not there. All right, everybody, welcome back. We're back here at Masonic Light podcast. Um, we had a little whirlwind here a minute ago. Um, my dogs came running into the house and ran through and knocked a bunch of cords out. So, uh, but now we're going to try and do a uh, little, little, our own little Masonic square table. Uh, <laughs> or I guess it's rectangular. Mine's rectangular. rectangular. Yeah, geometry. Yeah. So we just want to kind of get different brothers' feelings on some different topics. So um, we'll start with Jack because he's been a quiet, just shaking his head the whole the whole time. Um, I'm still recovering from the Ubar meeting the other night. So uh, Jack, uh, just give us about a pontificate for about a minute or two on the one day classes. Well, uh, huge topic. Um, I, when I joined, I came in on a one-day class. Uh, I was told that it was going to be exactly like what everybody did for the 300 years before me, and found out that wasn't quite the case. Um, when I showed up at Lodge, I kind of, um, I personally felt a, a little bit second class until I took a chair and and um, went through the degree, went through the uh, the officer line, and became master of my lodge and. Um, uh, you know, that said, I'm mentoring a candidate at the upcoming one-day class that we're having in uh, in Reading. Uh, new brother actually works at the Masonic Villages. He's the um, head of maintenance at, and uh, buildings and grounds at the Masonic Villages. And, uh, and so I think it has less to do with how you get the work than how you apply the work in the lodge and in your life. And the other half of that is how the lodge does or does not attach you to it, right? Uh, you have to be mentored. You have to be, you have to be explained to. Um, it's, it's a whole lot of words coming at you all at once. And if you don't have somebody to, you know, literally hold your hand and, and walk you through it, um, you know, you can ricochet off and, and go join the Elks. But, um, but we, we try, um, especially in our district, I think as a whole, we, we really push mentoring, um, both to candidates who come through the traditional way, but it more, especially the, the one day class. And I think that's just really critical for any kind of long-term success. Jason, you've got your secretary of your lodge. So what are your uh, thoughts on the, how much time do we have? Uh, do, a, do a minute. Do, do, do two minutes. Well, I don't know if I can give you two minutes. Uh, I have mixed emotions because, you know, I've never seen a one-day class. You know, we do our district degrees where we still do, you know, a month in between each, each degree, but the candidates are all in the room together. And, you know, it's nice to get some of our district one uh, candidates in there and take some pressure off the individual lodges, you know, just from a workflow standpoint. But I've never seen a one-day class with, you know, 100 candidates in the room. And I jumped on the bandwagon of, you know, it, it, it doesn't work. It's bad news. Um, you know, our good friend Jack Aquilina just had on John Ruark from uh, Masonic Podcast, or I'm sorry, the Masonic Roundtable, who completed the great Masonic 
survey of 2016 or whatever, which we plugged early on in our podcast. And it was a great survey, uh, you know, and, and some of his data uh, suggests, and he even talked about this when they were at the Academy of Masonic Knowledge, that one-day classes just don't work, that the guys just don't come back. Well, we're sitting next to a past master here uh, who was from the one-day class. But I, I think he's the ex- he might even admit he's the exception. Well, and yeah. the secretary of our lodge and one of our trustees. So, oh, so you're doing better than most. <laughs> okay. So, so I think... Out, out of that particular class, we're doing okay. Yeah. So here, you know, and, and I heard our district deputy speak at... Um, at our last meeting, the one that, that Jackie were our, our guest uh, for the Ubar presentation. And, you know, he made some really, really good points that, you know, one-day class candidates fail because the lodge failed. And, you know, I, I kind of felt like I got hit in the stomach and it was a cheap shot. But the reality is, is, you know, we, we put so much value on this. Oh, you need to be one, ask one. And, you know, you have to be very progressive in your Masonic career that, you know, just put your hand up and, and ask and, but when you're brand new, you don't you don't know you don't know what's going on. You don't know who to ask. You don't know how to, to get involved in something else. And then eventually you make eye contact and it happens. But I really, really do think that we as a lodge have to reach out to these people. There's a reason that they're joining their, the one day class. And I don't think that the reason that they're doing the one day class truly is because they just want to do it quick and they want to get it over with and they want to be a master mason right away. Maybe there's some people there, but I think by and large, the majority of those people truly have um time commitments and time constraints that they can't do it any other way. So some people think, well, just wait till you have the time to dedicate. And from my standpoint, we talked about this last week with Jack Aquilina. It's like, if let's, let's get them as soon as possible. So we have a longer time and a longer time with them, even if they can't be very, very active in the beginning, you know, if we involve them, if we reach out to them, masonry is not what happens in that meeting. It's the breakfast. It's the lunch. It's the checking in on somebody. It's helping somebody move. If you can't make the meeting, who cares? We have a, a, a responsibility to make sure that we get these guys plugged in after the class. And when we sit there and say that historically one-day classes don't work, what we're really saying is that we suck as Masons and we didn't reach out to these guys afterwards. Boom. There's a two-minute. Drop the mic. Larry, you got anything to offer on this? Oh, uh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you, you all know I've been a... Freemason for 43 years, so consequently... 35 of which were part-time. <laughs> yeah. 35 of which you just signed the dues card. That's, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's true. Until I met you, you chained me in the transferring. Anyway, um, my feeling is I think there's so much that is missed in yes. the one day. No doubt. As opposed to being individually... Guided through the lodge through each of the degrees, with a group of your your lodge members there, and your potential men- mentors there. You miss that. I'd been to a one day class two years ago, and I said to myself, "This is the last one I'm coming back to." We had about I think it was forty or fifty people went through, two from our lodge, who I have never seen again. And that says something to me about that program. Well, I said, no, it's just your fault for not uh, reaching out to them. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I didn't mean exactly. to get super hot and heavy there, but, you know, these people, they do have, obviously, they're doing the one-day class because they have a life that keeps them away from being able to do the traditional way. So if, why would we say to a brother, if you don't have time to commit, don't do this? I mean, why wouldn't we rather have somebody that we see or, you know, hear from once or twice a year as opposed to nothing at all? Well, I... I you know, the essence here, and I think 
I think Brother Dick Kenna succinctly said that this is a money-raising venture. I hate to say that. We'll probably well, get in a lot of trouble. This is a way well, to get dues. Larry said that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dick Kenna said that's that. That's Larry Maris. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I see, like, we're doing a one-day class for a guy from our lodge who's going away. Um, he's enlisting in the military. There are exceptions. So, okay. So we're going to go to Philadelphia. We're going to do all three degrees in one day. So he's going to get a little bit more attention than, you know, in a room with a thousand other people. However, the guy's going to still get all this information in one day. He's going to go away to boot camp. He's going to have this stuff that is, like, the... The most life-changing stuff in his, you know, twenty-some years, like the Freemason stuff, just gonna kind of get lost. Now, I do understand because his father's a Mason. Like, it's a proud moment for his father. Oh yeah. So, you know, you know, they both get to say, "Hey, we're in this. We're both in this club." But, you know, you know, if, so it's weird. Like a soldier, I, a soldier, a sailor, a marine. I get it. But just, you know, if somebody can't make the time to come out to a couple degrees, you know, we don't have to do them three consecutive months. You know, we could make special arrangements. They don't have to be on that second Tuesday of the month. We can do an extra meeting on a different night or a different day that would accommodate that person. Or courtesy somewhere else. And- right. Yeah. 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 So, so, I we- mean, we can, we can find a night to give the, the thing to them. The traditional way. And we did that Saturday about six, seven months ago at our lodge. With but if the, you uh, can't, if you're not going to like, if you're just going to get your card and then put the emblem on your car and just never come back to the lodge again, I think you're also missing out on something. Yeah. I mean, not to talk about statistics again, but, you know, I, I well, I had a change of heart about this. And I, and I guess it's because. Since you talked five minutes ago? Or? Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> My my change of heart on the one day class since I've become a secretary. Like I said, I was pretty anti, you know. Obviously, I was raised the traditional way, and there's tons of information there. And a, you know, the information is important, but is it really that important? It's important, but do we have to remember it word for word? I don't remember the ritual word for word. You know, nobody remembers the ritual word for word. So I I do. Of course you do, because you're an (laughs) exception to the rule. But you know, Lodge Forty Three, and I, I could you could you tell the story, the three degrees, in just plain English? Could I tell the story? Yeah, could you tell exactly what happens in well, the three degrees yeah. without memorizing it? I took an oath and obligation not to. Well, I'm not it. asking you to do that, <laughs> right? But I mean, you like like I I haven't done a degree in years, but I could walk you through all the different parts to the sure. of the degree without right. having it verbatim. Yeah. Right, but a guy who goes through the normal way wouldn't be able to do that right away. I think either. that's because we've gone back to Lodge. For other degree work, and we've been there for years and years and years. So we've seen it. So I think everybody here can do that. Yeah, yeah, but you can go back to Lodge after you've gotten the degrees traditional way or one-day class. You can go back to Lodge and sit down and w- listen to the minutes being read and the bills paid and go downstairs and eat pie and ice cream. And that's not— That's the best. No, no, no. No, no that's, oh. that's, that's missing the point of it. Right. That's, 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 a, that's a big part of our problem right now is that we miss the core element of it, which is a code of life conduct, right? right? It's the stuff that we're supposed to uphold and live by, and they're not being taught that stuff. But, so, back to the statistics, just really quick, you know, we have, I have 650 members. Uh, You have close to that, I believe. I don't know what Lamberton has. Participation rate is 10% if we're lucky, right, as far as our active. Oh, yeah. So let's just do the math. You know, we got to take a break. Well, I'm on roll, Larry. 
I really have to pee. All of a sudden, Larry's calling. Well, Larry, you go. You go. We'll keep talking because this is finally we've got something interesting. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, we get we get rolling. Then the guy who talks the most. In any event, so you have 650 people, you know, in the lodge or whatever. You get 10 percent. We get 60 people on the sidelines. You know, we're about to send 10 or 11 people up for my lodge, lodge 43. Mm -hmm. How many people are going to be active out of that group? Well, one is. Very, very, very interested. He, he, now, you know, I can't, I'm not a, a fortune teller, but I think the participation that we get out of these, well, oh, we don't get any part, it, the, the activity rate is no different right. than, than our normal members. And, and that's what Grand Lodge is saying. The The Grand Secretary has even said in a letter, I think, to the lodges that that the retention rate anyway, if, if that's a measure of anything, the retention rate is, is within a, a, a fractional decimal point of the same. So, um, but I but I still maintain we're not giving them a place to hook into, right? They're joining, especially the younger guys like 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 you. And I, I these three guys that joined at this one-day thing down in Maryland that I went to, they were all under 25. They're joining for a reason. They're joining to find something that's missing from their lives. And the, the, the real solid bummer is that they're not going to find it. In, in, well, they're not going to find it because they don't know where to look. Right. Well, and, maybe that's something... You know, just I love talking about this stuff because I just heard something there I haven't heard before. Um, you know, we do. I ask that question: Why do you want to be a Freemason? When I go do one of the, you know, the the interviews, um, but you know, that should be a question we really pay more attention to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, what is it that you're looking to get out of this? And you know, try and flesh that out and put that person in contact with other brothers that are along that same vein because we have guys that are the the book smart esoteric guys that, like Larry he's phenomenal we have we've got the guys that like like me that are you know much I, I enjoy the social aspect of it um you know and there's guys that are there's some people join just because they want to join an appendant body right and you know it's not optimal but it's fine okay so let's point them so they have a good experience I, uh, you know, something that Jack alluded to earlier, mentoring, I think, is the key to success. And it's a little bit difficult to get the one day people in for mentoring. We tried it uh, just a few weeks ago with one of the guys going through for the one day class. And we couldn't do it because the kid's working at night and there was no way he could do it. He did show up at breakfast. So we were able to talk to him a little bit. Better. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, you that, guys, that you, worked. You, you guys have to find a way to connect. Them. Right. You have well, 400, what I, 400 what some I wanted members. To and... Continue to say is I spoke at our lodge beginning of this month. And one of the things that I noticed and I talked about was I looked at the people in the peanut gallery. Half the people that came to that stated meeting were people we mentored and were there less than two years as a Freemason Mm -hmm. compared to the older gentleman on the one side. And that says to me that half of our lodge are the young guys coming in that have been through our mentoring program and who are taking an active participation in one way or another in our lodge work. And to me, that says this is successful. Yeah, and, and that really points out that, that whole generational shift that's happening. And I, I was listening to Jack Aquilina's um, podcast the other day, and he was talking about, um, you know, what the millennials are, are looking for and, and are we giving it to them. And um, there's, a, you know, you look at the population of post-World War II people who joined the Lodge, um, all those guys 
are in their 80s and 90s now, and, and they're the bulk of the population. We, we brag about having 600 members, but you know most of them are over 75, fully half at least. I, I mean, I, I can't do the math in my head, but you know better than half of them are at a point where in the next 10 to 12 years, they're gone. And now I'm not looking at it from a demographic, financial, you know, money grab kind of perspective, but those guys don't want to be friends with the 22-year-old that's joining the lodge. They're not looking for, you know, building up their circle of friends. Uh, they're they're looking at whatever it is that they had 50 years ago. They're looking in the rearview mirror, and and it's frustrating for us new guys that are coming in saying, "Hey, I'm here. Let's you know, pal around and uh, crickets in the background." Yeah, one of my favorite things about Freemasonry is just the group of people that you become friends with. Young, old, doesn't matter. Right. You, know, you exactly. have the lowest yeah. common denominators exactly. that we're all Masons. Right. And I understand where Jack is at because I can look at some of the members in our lodge and they basically won't associate with newer people or younger people. And thank God for me, I've never ever felt that way because I have friends that have all, cover all the age spectrum. They're coming in here screwing yeah. up our fraternity. and. Yeah. I, mean, I do know when I see the old guys at some of these social bodies outside of Blue Lodge, I have, you know, I always think about these old guys, when they were my age and younger, they were probably way more of a man than I am. They were, you know, they saw, they've seen some crap in their lives. And, you know, they were partiers, they had fun, they worked hard. But, you know, if they're in their 70s or 80s, a lot of these guys, their families just treat them like this dotting old man and like, oh, make sure we get you a ride there and get you a ride home. So one of my favorite things to do to keep some of the old guys, especially at the appendant bodies, I wouldn't say this to Blue Lodge, but like, you know, I see an old guy, like, hey, hey, how's, how's it hanging? You know, I just talk like him. Don't want to use a Donald Trump term, but, you know, kind of sort of like tame locker room talk <laughs> that like, you know, talk to him like he's a man, not like he's a old man, just you know, okay, like I asked Horace last night, a guy at the door, like, hey, Horace, can I get you a cocktail? Or Horace something? was having a great time last Yeah, night. right. You know, but like, just don't let these old guys, too, don't be shy when you're young. That's a great point. Like, great you got to reach out to the old guys, too, and try, treat them like they're friends. You because did notice that uh, Horace tried to stab the uh, lamb. Do you know that? <laughs> with, with the Ubaratar? Yeah, yeah. With the Ubaratar. <laughs> stab the lamb? Is that, is that something I'm, I don't that's know not about? A, that's a, not a sexual thing. <laughs> I'm sorry for you guys in Australia and New Zealand that are listening. That, that may be as they offensive. They have real lambs down there, yeah. <laughs> well, I think uh, Larry just wet himself. Okay, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with another divisive topic. Good talk. Good news, everyone. Masonic Light News. News not fit to print. The Grand Lodge of Kentucky has confirmed that it will extend Masonic visitation to and with the Prince Hall Grand Lodge of that jurisdiction, ending nearly two centuries of Masonic separation between those, these two august bodies. In a related story, the Grand Lodge of Spain has declared that the Earth is indeed flat and is dispatching ships to the Atlantic Ocean to confirm this proposition. Also in the news, an investigation into the sinking of the famous Titanic ocean liner has found that the original investigation, over a century ago, may have been impeded by members of the Masonic fraternity. When questioned about this possibility, 
Jack the Ripper responded, Oh, they've been watching the History Channel again, have they? Also, Batavia, New York resident William Morgan could not be reached for comment. And finally, Dateline, Pennsylvania. Middletown police were called to break up a disturbance at a recent meeting of Umar Grotto. But upon arriving, the officers had so much fun, they immediately submitted petitions and were made a part of the latest class of neophytes. That's all for the Masonic News. So mote it was. Thank you, Jack Harley, for the Masonic News. That was great news. The, uh, the British thing was kind of scary. I know, right? <laughs> Excellent. All right, so, uh, Jason, you got to get going. Yeah, I got to speak in the one-day class, so I, uh, we happened to do the podcast recording at uh, the same night of School of Instruction, which I unfortunately miss every month. Aww. <laughs> uh, but seeing as how the one-day class is upon us, uh, I, I do need to go be a good Mason. And But and you're a secretary. You have no part in any ritual. Uh, I, no, no. There's plenty of ritual. You're and guiding it's, like three people, aren't you? Yeah, I don't know. I'm some sort of mentor, guide. Who knows what I'm doing? But yeah, but there's tons of paperwork to get these guys pushed through. So, so away we go. Larry, what you got going on? What I got going on? Yeah, you're staring at me like you want to say something. I, right now, I have a memory lapse. I have no idea. All right, so what do you have? Anything coming up Masonically? We have breakfast on Thursday? Breakfast on Thursday, but yeah. Are you going to the Tall Cedars dinner tomorrow night? Uh, No. Why not? Why do I want to? It's Widow's Night. It's Widow's Night. I'm not going to that. Yeah, because he's. Pick up some hot chicks. He's going to die before her, so he won't have that I option. I am going to the Tall Cedars ball, though, on the 5th of November. Okay. Yeah. That, that's a bonus. I'm not going to go to the ceremonial, though, at the end of November. Well, you should, because I have a speaking part. Oh. Uh, <gasps> You're not going to the ceremony. You know what? Yeah, that, I'll go. I'll that reminds go. me. So, you know, how do I how do I say this nicely, Pete? So, you're a pretty f- fun guy and 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 a pretty satirical, not always super serious guy. But I'm impressed that you've been taking on some of these more serious roles lately. So, I just want to throw you kudos. I'm excited to see you do he, some rituals. He changed his medication. Is what happened. Actually, you know, I I enjoy. I'm very much a chameleon. When I'm at like York right, I do the I put the serious hat on and I'm like serious Mason Pete. When I'm uh, you know at Grotto, I'm Grotto Pete. When I'm in Blue Lodge, I just bite my tongue, and, uh, <laughs> and you know. And if I'm at uh, the secret organization I belong to, that's not Masonic anymore, then it's just you know the microphone's off. So nice. And the other thing I wanted to mention before we call it a night. So I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I think that we have a nice little outtake somewhere about talking about this a little bit. Uh, but I've, I've always been familiar. I have always been familiar with Car Talk, but I've never been an avid listener of Car Talk post my podcasting career. Well, because they they, they stopped doing it. Well, you can listen to it in syndication. Okay. And NPR is playing is playing the best of. If you want to learn how to fix an '85 Toyota, it's perfect. But. So I just want to throw it out there that I had no idea that they used so much banjo music when I made Larry's music. And I had no idea that Do We Cheat Him and How was ripped off from the car guys. Oh, my God. It was <laughs> a straight rip off. Yes. <laughs> I'm listening to it, and I'm like, holy hell, that sounds um, – oh, I'm like, what happened here? Yeah, You know, it, that's really a law firm in New York. It really is. From uh, Yeah, from Three Stooges, Larry. Well, you no, know, no, they, no, no, no. They are. You look them up. They're an active law firm. Doctor Fine, Doctor Howard, Doctor Fine. And there was a pod, <laughs> one of our episodes where you said Larry just wants to be click and clack, and I was like, ha ha ha. It kind of went over my head because I didn't know what you meant. And now I know. Now I know. Well, he, he thinks they're fantastic and phenomenal. 
I do. In the words of the day, you are woke AF. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jackie, anything going on? Oh, I had so much and so little. I'll just pass. All right, Jason, you got your uh, hands full trying to patch this into a listenable episode. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll be all right. Let, and, me, uh, let me close this out, guys. Oh, for God's oh, sake. Come on, you know. People in Australia look forward to this every episode. All four fans. They're just being nice. <laughs> all right, guys. Special thanks. Wait, wait, to... wait, 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 wait. Sweden. What about Sweden? We have oh, what about Sweden. Yeah. We have like what thirteen fans? I have no idea. No, somebody's twenty five. Somebody's listening. We have twenty five fans in this like little <laughs> obscure town in Sweden. They took over Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're uh from Sweden and you would like us to come over here, get on the horn. Um I can't even fake your accent, so I'm not even gonna drop give a it. message on uh, on the phone number. Yeah, so give Start us with 011, I think. Yeah, give us a phone call. We'd love to, if you can uh, raise the money, we'll come visit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time we shut this puppy down. Okay, it's this time when uh, I give special thanks. And we are blessed, by the way, in having Monarch Studios available. Uh, special thanks to Monarch Studios. Uh, for letting us use this fine facility again. And the first aid department they, yeah. to fix the dog wound. Sorry the dog bit you, Jack. <laughs> Our producer, uh, Jason Lewis, always doing a masterful job. And to our news director, Jack Harley, who puts that special oomph into the broadcast. And uh, also, too, uh, to the fine people we interviewed at the various functions we're at. Thanks again, guys. The, the people that heard you talking. Yeah, exactly. And again, I'm going to recognize our new law firm, the new guys, okay? Blast, blast, and boom, we're out of Washington. And uh, again, what, what, was, what was that? Blast, blast, and boomer. Washington law firm. Well, I thought he said bloomer. That was yeah. no boomer. Blast, blast, and boomer. God, if I have to, if I have to, if I have to describe this thing. It's lost. I'm just saying, like, it's very timely with our attorney general getting sentenced to prison today. <laughs> you could have at least said the, the law firm of Kane, Kane, and Kane. I don't know. Oh, she is so awesome, isn't she? I can't imagine her in prison, Orange. Well, I have. I'll show you some videos after we get offline. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Well, hey, this is Larry Maris. Jason Lewis. Jack Harley. This is The Monarch. Thanks for listening. That was a good show. No. Jason will make it into we'll it all together. I was always amazed when... Hey, Pete. Uh, hey, what? You know what I really like? Meat. Coffee. Coffee. I like coffee. You like coffee? Did you know the pure water... Technology provides state-of-the-art drinking water and coffee systems. Well, who are they? They are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys almost pulled it uh, off. Oh, when the valley's washed. You good? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Oh, my gosh. Okay, you know what? <laughs> I have been listening to I listen to so many podcasts and I really you know I was listening to like NPR I've been listening to the car guys I've been listening to all the Masonic and we're the worst one ever no I literally I literally was like man we have a really really good I mean we have an excellent producer but I was like we got a really good podcast yeah we do and then it's falling to shit